swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Welcome to Movie Mistrial. The podcast where we examine the IMDb Top 250 and anger a million people with our bad faith arguments. My name is Johannes. And I am Raji. Today, we're talking about another film on that list. Quentin Tarantino's Western epic, Django Unchained. Django Unchained was released on December 25th. 2012 and steeped in controversy about the subject matter from questions about a white director telling a black story to critiques of the overzealous use of the n-word as a black dude watching that movie in stockton on december 25th 2012 i turned out all that noise and chaired with a room full of black folks when he said i like the way you die boy one thing this movie achieved is turning the western tropes on his head with globs of blood emphasizing the point we can't say the criticisms of this movie are unjustified, but whatever your take on this is, do take a second to give us a thumbs up if you enjoy the debate. Raji, what makes you happy today? I just finished watching Django Unchained. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this movie is a, a movie that has a special place. I mean, you, you're a big fan of Christopher Nolan. I'm a big fan of Quentin Tarantino. And I think that, you know, Quentin Tarantino has his faults. Uh, he has his weaknesses. But one thing you can say, you can't say about Quentin Tarantino is that he doesn't know how to make a good film. And watching this film again, I just remembered how much joy it gave me to watch a black hero on the screen. For the, you know, it wasn't the first time, but it was quite significant given the subject matter. Um, especially given the fact that most black people were depicted as a, as unable to do anything about their current situation. We finally find a black hero who is taking uh, taking charge of the situation and doing stuff. So this movie gives me a lot of joy. Um, and I enjoyed it quite a lot. Great. Great. What about yeah. you? What makes you happy? What makes me happy? I do have my first sourdough bread in the oven, you know, three years into the pandemic, and I finally start that whole journey. Congratulations, man. I I don't know if it'll turn out, but we'll, you know, it's a learning curve. I learned. So we'll see (laughs) how how we start, what what the baseline is, and then we'll go from there. Well, well, I hope it turns out good, man. I think I wouldn't wouldn't doubt your ability, you know, after listening to your record, which you can get, um, and listen to us on SoundCloud and And Spotify. Spotify. So I, uh, I, I, I don't doubt your abilities to be able to put in a good, a good combination of sounds and tastes. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, as a German, bread is very important. So it's important to be in control over, over your bread. A lot of the bread in the States is not that great. It has its place. Not that great though. Has its place. (laughs) But yeah, so <laughs> we'll see how that, that turns out. I'm um, <laughs> cautiously optimistic. It, what I've seen looked looked decent so far. So yay. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then seeing this movie. This movie is is a great ride. You know, what can I say? Like it's, it's a great <laughs> ride. This this will be kind of a hard hard one, I think, to argue. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it would be. But I, I guess before we go deeper, too deep into that, we should probably get a synopsis of what this movie is about. Sounds great. 
Set in the pre-Civil War era, Django Unchained follows Django, a former slave turned bounty hunter, who teams up with a German dentist turned bounty hunter named Dr. King Schultz. Together, they embark on a mission to rescue Django's wife, Brumhilda, who's enslaved in a plantation owned by the ruthless Calvin Candy. Facing numerous dangers and racial tensions, Django and Schultz infiltrate Candy's plantation, leading to a violent showdown that tests their courage and determination. Filled with Tarantino's signature style, the film blends dark humor, gripping action, and social commentary on slavery. And we're back. So now that we know the basics, let's cast a toy and see where we land. What's it going to be? I'm going to go with uh, heads today. Heads? <sighs> I don't know. Should I hurt you or i'm gonna go for it i'm gonna go for the positive i'm gonna let you ah no that's kind of hard um what do you want to do <laughs> i am curious <laughs> i mean since since you already kind of wrote a love letter to it i probably would have enjoyed uh hearing your negative arguments for this uh, all right i'll go i'll go on the negative side of this i'll go on the negative side um i love i love this film but i'm gonna go on the negative because it's not gonna be interesting if i take my love letter and make it a uh post so yes <laughs> i'll go with a negative uh on quentin tarantino's django unchained and the witness will address this court as judge or your honor ladies and gentlemen members of the jury it's uh, it's important for you to understand um, Django Unchained seems like a, a very interesting ride through the, you know, the general South and period of slavery in America. But I think that the conversations about how that is depicted through over grotesque uh, use of violence and um, a long storyline, which basically amounts to a heist, um, where the heist object is Brumilda, um, is a significant, is an interesting way of telling a story, but it doesn't generally differentiate itself from other heist films. One of the major missing points that I would say about this film is the use of Kerry Washington, who plays uh, Brumilda. She never gets to do much beyond being the damsel in distress looking for um, for someone to come and save. And just like every Mario film, every single time we get close to saving her, we get informed that there's a, um, there's a, your princess is in another castle. I also think that some of the rules of the time was a little bit uh, jumbled um, because one of the things they did try to do was explain how the rules work. But there's a level of inconsistency for the character of Django as he goes from place to place. Um, the significance of seeing him on a horse was very huge in Texas, but the significance of seeing him on a horse was not as played out in Mississippi, where he rode his horse on the mud as slaves walked past him. Um, you would have thought that at that particular area it's where you would see a significant rebellion to the fact that there's a black man on a horse and the fact that he was able to go through that scene 
without any relative um, issues is shows a level of inconsistency to the idea of um, a black man on a horse, which is one of the major things that they try to prove. So uh, I will talk about it from the consistency of the character of Kerry Washington not being so significant, the use of the black troops in the period and the significance across the time of of how the idea of the black man was approached, um, depending on where they are in the in time. So I kind of mumbled at the end, but I think you get my point. Your Honor, Django Unchained is an amalgamation of different genres of movie uh, and combined in, in a beautiful way. We have the old Western trope that is flipped upside down. We have kind of a body cop movie in this as well, um, but with a twist. We have a heist movie, as Raji mentioned, um, with the treasure being a person. So again, kind of flipping the expectations on it, on its head. Um, we also have a um, revenge movie in this. Um, so it's like all these different genres that are combined in, in one neat two-hour and 45-minute package uh, set in a time... Uh, of slavery and we get you know Django as 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 having a redeem a redemption arc in a way and getting his comeuppance and he has agency and he's able to to have control for the first time and all this this like on paper i think uh, this is something that uh, probably reads like it's not working but it works brilliantly in this. Um, we have constant kind of contrast with uh, f- humor and very brutal scenes. And we kind of go back and forth trying to get some levity on the very depressing, very kind of real, tangible awfulness uh, that is depicted. It's fictionalized, but still, you know, it's it's not unlikely that these things happen. It's very likely these things happen, right? Like... Um, but Trentino is masterful in figuring out how to balance that out to give us some moments of uh, like hilariousness that that gives the balance that this movie needed. So all in all, I think this is a movie where we where we see that it's 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 a melting pot of ideas, a melting pot of of genres that is that has turned into a movie about slavery and a movie about uh, a slave taking revenge on a slaver. And it's, it's a great ride. It's very enjoyable. It's funny. It's depressing. Uh, great performances by everybody involved. And uh, I can only recommend this. I don't have any real critique. <laughs> Which is quite interesting. Um, so one of the things that I'm probably going to talk about is, like I said, um, the use of Kerry Washington as just a trope, as just something that needs to be rescued. Um, you know, the interesting thing is is that some of the scenes that she was in, despite the fact that she had such a small role, she still played a sig- she still does does enough significance to capture the sense of despair. 
Um, one example was when they met the Brumal brothers um, and they had the flashback scenes where she was getting whipped. Uh, as Django kneeled and begged uh, one of the brothers, you know, it's it, you, you might call it easy to just do a scene where you're getting whipped and showing pain, but the way Kerry Washington portrayed that, you almost felt like um, she was actually getting whipped. It was so interesting. Um, no, it wasn't interesting in a good way, but it was interesting to watch the character uh, of uh, of Bermilda react like this because it pushed you into the film. So you take that level of uh, acting and, and then you looked at our, our whole role throughout the film and you realized that all she just did in this film was nothing beyond uh, waiting to be rescued. And I wished that she had a little bit more to do than, uh, you know, being rescued. I mean, she partook in some ways with the tr- uh, with the heist, but the only true period where she ever broke character was at the very end where she put her, her, her hands to her ear and uh, as the building exploded. All through the time, she played the nervous, scared character uh, that... Um, that was just waiting to be rescued. Another thing that I can point out is that could probably fluster some people is the use of music in the film. Um, from Marie Cohn's music, which captures the Western style, and it was mixed with a bunch of rap songs, which captured the mood, but also took you out of the movie. Um, I, I think that's... So it's a it's a delicate balance because I think that the rap songs helped capture the mood of what was going on in the scene at the very time, but it also took away because you're walking you're watching them go and all of a sudden you hear Rick Ross rapping in the background and you're going ah that's uh, interesting it takes you out of the film so just as Kerry Washington is pulling you into the film uh, the choice of music can also act as a barrier because you try to put the two of them together. Uh, Like, okay, it's a little bit weird to be hearing rap music at this particular point. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting use of, I wouldn't say it's entirely bad, but when you're trying to find nitpicks for a movie that is this good, it's good to just point out a couple more things. Um, And go on. Yeah. Carrie Washington, I think it's interesting that you bring her up and uh, that you demote her to just the damsel in distress. Uh, to mm-hmm. me, she is very, very clearly the representation of consequences of attempting to have agency in slavery. Uh, because we see her multiple times where she tries to flee, um, both with Django and without, and she gets punished for it time and time and again. Uh, we never see Django really being punished. His punishment is watching her being punished. Uh, and then they get separated. That's his his punishment. But we never get uh, see him um, get get whipped or tortured or anything. Everything, she, she is the representation of that aspect of slavery in this movie. And it's brilliant because since she's also the person that we're rescuing, we're rescuing slavery and freeing up slavery in, in a, on a metaphorical level. Right, and we do that by having Django, uh, a black person, being on a quest and and getting her there. 
So I, th- I think while she, you point out that in every scene that she, that she's in, um, she stands out because she's she's a great actress. Um, she like she captivates you and she captures you, and her performance is brilliant. It's great. It's is gut wrenching. Um, but like on on that level while her character may not be doing what the function of her is so important because she is the the outlet of of the brutality and she's she's you know and and that that's important um it's also important to see that the the the, <laughs> the mental fortitude and difference of um the white people that have a 5 minute argument over uh misplaced holes in their bed sheets uh, and, and just the ineptitude versus um you know the, the aptitude i guess of of django and uh brunhilde right? and we see there, there's a lot of um contrast there and and we see and again that that's that's contrasted in and i you know bumbling idiots but they are in power versus non-idiots but they're not a power right and that disparity and we have like violence and, and humor and like this whole movie is all about this these two clashes these like polar opposites because that's reflecting uh slavery right it's like like literally black and white in a way it, it's bizarre it's clashing it doesn't make sense but slavery doesn't make sense right like it's so foreign in the opening shot to see just a row of people chained up and ever think that that's okay right um it's so jarring but um like a a lot of on that level like a lot of what is happening in this movie is also very jarring it doesn't doesn't necessarily work it works but it's it's just weird same with the music right we have like the classic um like western type of music and then we have hip-hop songs it's clashing it's weird it doesn't doesn't feel right but that's the point i think and that's why this movie is so good so the the other the the other interesting thing that i that your point uh brings up that i also want to uh talk about is that you know the use of excesses uh, to drive a point in. Um, and, you know, I'm going to talk about the your point about the arguments uh, about the lack of intelligence for all the white folks in this. But I'm going to talk about the excesses first. You know, the, the very final battle, or well, the, the penultimate battle, when uh, Django is trying to escape after King Schultz was killed, um, we see scenes where um, some some of the white folk were uh, on the ground being shot multiple times. Uh, some of it was done for humor because one person could get shot. Um, trying to show the incompetence of the people who were shooting at Django. Um, and then, you know, one of the things that you can say about that scene is that it drove the original point in, but then it lasted for a long period of time to the point that it got uncomfortable. Um, and then the point that he was trying to make gets defeated because of the excess use of violence. And I think there were some violent scenes that were unrealistic as well. You know, when, um, when, um, Calvin's sister was shot through the door, Lara, Lara, uh, 
um, was shot through the door. Django was at the top of the staircase. He shot her down, but she sh- flew back like he was shot from the front with a shotgun. And then you realize like, hey, that is just a an excessive violent scene. And the payoff was the fact that she reacted so uh, significantly to the bullet. But it's unrealistic and it takes you away from the film. So then the purpose becomes, this is violence for violence sake. I think we could have drove in the point with a little less gore, with a little less violent, a little more less of that on the screen. So it's like we get to the limit and we go beyond that, which is a trope of Quentin Tarantino films. Now, we're going to talk about the intelligence of the characters in this film, because I think the the lack of intelligence for some of the characters kind of weakens the foe he's fighting against. It would have been more interesting if, you know, Big Daddy was smarter and didn't have to wear a mask and try to figure out why Kelly didn't do the mask right, you know. It would have been more interesting if they were all intelligent, um, you know, folk that, you know, right into a, right into a, uh, right into kill a bunch of, uh, kill the King Schultz and Django in the middle of the desert uh, without, you know, without riding blind because of the eye holes. It was a very, I'm not saying that the humor didn't work. The humor worked. But when you think about it, you know, from the perspective of the show, Django was basically fighting, who was hyper-intelligent, was basically fighting a lot of unintelligent, um, what do you call it, uh, folk. Even even um, Calvin Candy was quite unintelligent and he was a little bit submissive uh, to the character uh, Stephen, who, who was played by Samuel L. Jackson. So it's like you have all this folk in this film uh, who don't seem to be as smart as Django, um, who he's fighting against, and it doesn't seem fair. That's the point. And Django, when he was caught, he almost got his um, genitalia taken off, which was a little bit disturbing to watch. One of the things that I've always said about Walter Goggins is that he plays the slimy character perfectly. Um, I have never seen a show where he doesn't play that character to a T. Um, but he did he did suffer, but you know, maybe he didn't we didn't get to see the excessiveness on the screen. And then I think that it's also a detriment to the movie that we get to watch Carrie, uh, uh, Bromilda get beaten, but the main character Django, at no point outside of the fact that he was laying upside down, did he get his finger uh, up anything? He was always above the fray, right? We saw a history of it on his back, but throughout the moment, from the moment we start the film to the very end, we never get to see him experience. Uh, he was always on the up and up. Um, and and finally, I think the fact that, you know, we got to see, what's his name? Uh, James Remmer played two characters in the film. And I think a lot of people didn't notice, but he he plays two roles. He's, he's a, the ace spec and he's also the butcher at the very beginning of the film. Um, so it, it was, you know, I've been watched this film quite a few times. It, it was quite interesting to see that, 
Quentin Tarantino also used the Western tropes of casting one character in many roles uh, in this movie as well. But, you know, it, it, yeah, that's those are the points I'm going to try to make. I'm going to give you some time to talk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, then, like I said, let's talk about the the clan scene. Because that's that's what this is, but but you can tell, like this is the very first time they they have this outing, and they have no idea what they're doing, <laughs> and it's almost like they they just learned they heard about the, like the clan being a thing and like, let's do this as well, and then it's just a very like spur of the moment idea, and then it's. I think it's taking taking that idea of like you know the clan is very very organized and very like polished uh, clothes right and every like very imposing there, there, there's like an imposing quality to to the robes and the the hoods and all that kind of stuff right but if you if you think about the the early stages of that and kind of the beginnings like this is that right and it there's so there's so much absurdity in that. Um, there's absurdity in the in the general concept to begin with, right? Um, and um, this is just one of the the Tarantino things that he does so well, right? He's he's taking um, conversations and absurd ideas and just kind of dissecting, like, kind of the the behind the scenes or, or foundations of of ideas and he he drives them into the absurd but it's so important that we have the scene in here i think because it's it's lightening the the mood for a little bit we we see that oh these slavers that think you know they have the power they're actually village idiots like they cannot even get the holes right on their their freaking um like pillowcases right to be able to ride and uh and, and and they claim like to have the the power and the the um agency and and all that over people that's absurd right they cannot even do do that right um and i think there's another point in the movie where um that whole power dynamic is questioned right where it's like why is there no no revolt a revolution like they don't have power like there's a lot more you know, black people here Right, but they, they they were able to to with the the horrible things that they, they were able to to instill fear and keep their power. Anyway, I, th I think that scene is one of the most most important ones. Another character and uh, scenes that I find fascinating and, and super important is Samuel L. Jackson, because, like you said, the um, Candy character played by DiCaprio he's not super aware of what's going on. He's comfortable in the power that he has or in the perceived power that he has. And I think that's, that's again is, is, is an image for white people in this movie for the most part. He's comfortable in the perceived power that he has. Um, and they, there's, there's no question that he is in power, but there's always a behind the scenes. And in this case, it's the Samuel L. Jackson character um who enables that and it's 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 this weird bizarre dichotomy of like how can a a black person 
who's the, ho- the the house the main house slave i suppose like how how can be o- be okay with treating other black people the way he does right but it's it's power i suppose and it's icky and it's gross but he's he's important because i think the we we still have figures like that right that that go against the interests of of their own people um Clarence Thomas. Because, <laughs> oh I, excuse you sir oh, sorry it was just a cough i apologize i know i know <laughs> um you know be it gay republicans that vote against anti-gay votes uh or or whatever right and it's fascinating but it's people in power that that use that and feel like they're not part of those groups and um disassociate with them and then vote against their own interests it's bizarre but it's just a reality right and you know seeing this movie again it's very relevant today in a way right because we still have masked hooded village idiots roaming the streets Mm um now they're no protesting against whatever they're protesting against trans people they're protesting against drag drag performances it's absurd it's so absurd especially if especially if they were governors who dressed in drag uh, and did drag stuff (laughs) before they started to write bills against it anyway go on yeah 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 yeah. you know it's it's absurd but it still happens right and uh, so like I said, this movie is brilliant because it's it's having this clash of of ideas that on paper shouldn't work, but they work brilliantly because it's just it's reality, right? Like nothing is really truly black and white. Um, there's always a gray zone, and that and that embracing the gray zone, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at in this movie. It's it's like finding the middle that um, that makes this movie so interesting, like. Yeah, it's. I think it's a great movie. And I know I can, we can go into <laughs> we can go we can go into the uh, sidebar and give this a quick. I have a couple of points that I want to make about this sure. film. So, sidebar it is. Overruled. Sidebar. Guilty. Speculation. Hearsay. Bailiff. Briefcase. Disregard. In my chambers. Stop beaver on the witness. Arrest. We could totally be lawyers. All right. So, a couple of things that I want to say, and I think that Johannes talked about this. One of the things that this movie is effective... So this movie has a lot of flaws and um, a lot of interesting points, but I I want to address why some of them may not work as well. One of the things that they talk about in this film is like, why didn't they let a black director direct this film? It would have been more authentic. The truth about it is, I don't think we want authentic when it comes to a movie like this. Um, A black director is going to be painted by history... Um, and they're going to take a lot of the things that you're talking about. Seriously, what happened in Django and Change is a fantasy. Uh, and I don't know if a black director at that particular time, and I'm not saying this is universal, um, could have uh, uh, um, addressed the subject matter with such levity. There's a level of out of out of the frame that Quentin Tarantino brought brought into this. And Django was written like a white character and all the black characters were written as white. 
and all the white characters were written as black. So, you know, it's it, the way the characterization works, um, where Django is smarter than everybody in the room is, is something that is atypical of, um, of movies like this. So that's, that addresses uh, some of that issue. But I also want to address uh, one of the other things that I, I think. I think the use of music is great. I think it can be jarring. But I also think that the idea that uh, the slaves uh, were shown in a caste system is also very important. One of the things that um, I think translates very well in this movie is the fact that all the slaves, the, the basically there's a caste system for slaves where the the slave, uh, the slaver is worse than the house uh, house slave, which was played by Summer or Jackson, is is better. Um, where the house slave is better off than the you know the maids, the house held the head of the house was better than the maids. The maids were better than the fields. Um, and at every single point, at every level, you looked at the other person with disdain. Like, oh, you know, when Django was riding on a horse and the slaves in the cage were looking at him, one of the ones that was looking at him with particular disdain for the fact that he was a slaver, uh, you could see it in the expression how much he detested or hated uh, Django, which turned into, which was also turned on on its head at the very end because when he watched Django uh, obliterate Quentin Tarantino and his friends, he couldn't help but smile. And at the very end of the film, they asked, who is that brother? And, you know, Django and Change showed up on the screen. But at least you get to see that there, there, there are levels to this, I guess, just with what I'm trying to say. And the movie captured it well. And finally, I think the movie captured the idea of slavery in the South. A lot of movies gloss over the um, the craziness of it. But the mud scene where you see slaves walking side by side in chains with chains around their neck and in a in a, on a road that is so muddy their feet is getting steeped in it kind of captures the mood of slavery at that time um i don't think the the ideas of slavery are entirely accurate but all of the tropes the mandingo fighting the dogs uh, attacking slaves for trying to escape people being put into wells to boil under the heat all of that were realistic depictions and it captured the horror of the film. So when Django goes in and shoots everybody, you don't feel pity and you feel like, hey, this is well earned. So overall, I think this is probably the one of the, you know, one of the best, it's not the best Quentin Tarantino film, but it's one of the better ones. Um, I'm a fan of, you know, uh, Jackie Brown or The Hateful Eight. Uh, Pulp Fiction is my favorite Quentin Tarantino film, but I also uh, I I also enjoy Kill Bill and The Hateful Eight quite a lot. But Django Unchained yeah. is probably the best one. So you know it is what it is. So would you say you know this this movie is to slavery as is as Inglorious Bastards is to the Second World War? I, I, I think right. that's 
yes, I I totally agree with that sentiment. This is this is the exact depiction of this film. Okay, and just yeah, like I've... you know, just just like Hitler wasn't killed, you know, in World War Two, this movie doesn't it doesn't go on to say, hey, I want to give you an accurate depiction of everything, but there's enough reality in there that you can at least accept some of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that there are other movies that go deeper into the realities of slavery, right? Like 12 Years of Slave, for example, is, is like a big example. Um, great movie, too. Uh, like depressing as, you know. Um, exactly. That's the point. It's like if you gave, you know, they gave the black director... Um, 12 Years a Slave it was it's a very hard watch because they want to capture the scene the mood but you know anyway go on yeah and you know but but here since it's Tarantino and he's so good with dialogue and he's so good with with like casual dialogue of of the absurdity of life I I think we touched upon that in other Tarantino movies that we talked about right like he's so good at, at just having five minute ten minute rants over the the stupidest stuff that people observe right and 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 again like the the um clanciness is exactly that right and it's it's so needed because it's it's giving us that the time to breathe and laugh about the idiocy that is racism (laughs) right and the the like being racist but feeling the need to to hide yourself because it's not accepted but it is, it, it's so absurd. The whole thing is so absurd, right? But it's, it, it was so important to, to have that, okay, this is serious topic, material, all that, right? But we also have room to, to breathe. I also want to shout out because I feel like we, we haven't talked about him. Christoph Waltz in this is, is great as like the most capable uh, bounty hunter. <laughs> like being able to, to think five steps ahead, uh, at all times and having a plan for everything great great performance very kind of over the top flamboyant in a way but but so good and also so so clever that he's a german right coming come back and it's like well none of these rules kind of apply to me because you know i don't care yeah. I'm, I'm from germany so good so smart and great performance he's he's really good um i, I, I... I'm surprised we almost went through the whole review without talking about how great he is. Thanks so much for talking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, time, time and like Tarantino found him for Inglorious Bastards, and he was brilliant in that. Completely different role here, and brilliant in other in in so many other ways. He's he's such a good good person. Um, but yeah, I mean, negatives. I th- I think the music choices work, but you know, they they are jarring here and there. And I would say it's a little long. It's entertaining, but and it keeps you engaged. But towards the end, it kind of drags. Um, like everything is redeemed, and everything like there's there's a lot of great setup as well. If you think about it, like the the um, story Christoph Waltz tells about the like the 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 story the german tale right like the, going the through fire and the right yeah. the dragon and the princess and having to go through fire to you know like this is all a setup for the finale right this is exactly what's happening 
right? He's going mm-hmm. through the dragon. There's going to be fire and all that, right? Great setup. Mm-hmm. It works. It's fun. It's all done through just like, you know, oh, tell me the story. Like, I, I have not been exposed to that story, but it's, that is the story that we're seeing. Um, and then I think another shout out. DiCaprio's so good in this. Oh, man. Right, another like, another great you know my wife and I my wife doesn't think DiCaprio is a is a good actor but man I I mean she doesn't think he's the bad actor either but she thinks that he plays the same roles but I'm gonna say man DiCaprio killed it in this one man I told okay one of the things that I'm gonna say about this is that if you looked at the way DiCaprio and Samuel L. Jackson interacted in this film you see two characters, two two actors at the top of their game interacting seamlessly in this. Same thing with um, the, the character who played King Schultz. Uh, so good. Um, and I, I think that one of the problems is with Django is those characters are so good, Django doesn't seem like... He's as a good an actor as they were. So I think that's one of the issues I could have brought up, and I didn't think about that early enough. So thank you for bringing it. But yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio killed it. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and sure, sometimes you can tell, you know, kind of the, the acting craft in him. And I think that's that's why people kind of key off on, like, you know, the funkiness in his acting here and there. It's still great, right? But but it, it almost feels like you can see technique sometimes, right? Um, but he's so good at selling it, and that's that's his strength. He's so so good at at selling what he's uh, offering. <laughs> um, so let me ask you yeah. a question real quick. Yeah. Let me ask you a question real quick. Um, and I think that this might have been it might have been an interesting watch because. You know, Will Smith turned down the, the role for Django uh, in this film. Wow. And <laughs> it would have... It, I, I, I am curious to know what you would have thought because let's be frank, Will Smith... Both Will Smith uh, and Jamie Foxx are charismatic, but I do think that Will Smith has a little bit better acting and I think he would have been able to cope with um, Summer Old Jackson and... Um, Leonardo DiCaprio better in this movie. Do you think this movie would have been... I mean, I don't think they would have been fundamentally different, but some of the arguments about the acting could have gone away. Um, do you think this movie would have been better with Will Smith in it, or or do you think it would have been just the same? I don't think it would have been better with him, to be honest. I think okay. Jamie Foxx like, did a great job. Um, okay. He, he has a pretty good character journey that he is fleshing in. And yes, a part of that journey is just being cool, right? But I think like when, when he gets his new clothes and all that, like, yes, he looks weird, like in that blue ensemble that he wears, yeah. but um, <laughs> but he still sells it, right? And that's that's good. I think yeah. he, he can do the cool person well. Um, I think if... If anything, that was the strength of J- of Jamie Foxx mm-hmm. in this whole film. He captured the cool. He made being yep. black cool. Anyway, yeah, yeah, you know, and and I think that's a lot of the the character. Um, and we we don't see all the hair uh, the the horrors 
we don't see all the horrors that happened to him. They happened, but we don't see them, right? So we only have that internalized anger. Um, and he channels that through kind of coolness in a weird way, but it works. Um, Will Smith, I don't know. I always see him as the Fresh Prince from Bel Air. So it's it's really hard for me to see him in more serious roles. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, he also um, was in a slave movie, Unchained, or something like that, um, hmm. which I thought was not as successful as this one, to be honest. So I would I would have concerns. I would have had concerns with him being in the role. I think. Okay. I think what's, what's it would have been. An, it would have been better. I, I no, I, I think that so there's some scenes that I think he would have done a better job in, um, especially with the acting. Uh, there were a couple of places where Jamie Foxx played himself, uh, you know, when he was asking, like, what, what do you mean positive? Uh, some of those things I thought I, I, I would have thought, you know, Will Smith would have been a little bit more consistent with what the character knows and what he doesn't know. But I think that both of them would have played the cool great. And, you know, after watching The Wild Wild West, you definitely know that Will Smith can do the cool. But I also think that he would have brought a little bit more of an edge to Django. Uh, but we will never know. I think Jimmy Fox did an incredible job with this. Uh, but it's one of those things where you're like, huh, they would have made different choices. Will Smith and and Jamie Foxx would have made different choices as actors. And I would have been curious to know what choices Will Smith would have made in this role. I suspect he he probably would have dialed up humor a little more because he, yeah. uh, he has that background in a way. And I'm not sure that's, that's a good call for this character because we already have Christoph Waltz like filling in for that. And he's, he's brilliant at that. That's an, that's an interesting take. All right, cool. I mean, these are just hypotheticals, right? but it's, sure. just, I mean, it's just one of those things. And I think Will Smith is all talks about the fact that he should have been in this movie quite a lot too. So, <laughs> um, I mean, it's, Will Smith is interesting in a way, right? Because he also he declined Neo in The Matrix, which is also one of the famous Will Smith things, right? But can you imagine The Matrix with him? Yeah. Yeah. I can't because again he he just has this weird like he, to me he he cannot do the cool so well because he always has this funky like comedy thing to him in a way and uh, so the matrix would have been a very 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 different movie <laughs> yeah um because he would have made different choices as an actor yeah there's a there's a there's an every manism that uh you know the the main actor for the matrix brought to it like you could envision yourself being that guy because he he's like nervous he's quipped he doesn't know how to t but you know if the character was too cool you may not have bought the whole premise as well as so i think that you know keanu reeves did a was perfectly cast for it but also yep. you, you have that intrigue like oh what if will smith did this you know what would have been different um, but the movies that we have are great films. And I think that history is, is flooded with movies and actors that passed on roles where we got some incredible films. I mean, yeah. 
Indiana Jones was supposed to be cast by somebody else. <laughs> and we got uh, we got Harrison Ford and we have uh, a lovable character we love to look back at because yeah. there's no other Indiana Jones film since 1989. You know, that was the last time an Indiana Jones movie came out. Every Indiana Jones movie after that was not an Indiana Jones film. All right, I've said my piece. Oh, snap. Well, speaking of Indiana Jones, incredible segue, my sir. Um, the next up is Raiders of the Lost Ark. I am looking forward to look, watching that film again. I I've I loved I love the Indiana Jones the trilogy. Um, I'm actually mixed about what I'm going to go see the new one because one of the things I hear about the crit from the critics is that it feels like an Indiana Jones film, and that is one thing that we missed from the last one. Um, so. It'll be good to watch the Raiders of the Lost Ark again. I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yep, yep. I haven't seen that in decades. So, yes, it will be very good. I'll watch the new one. I still need to watch Crystal Skull. I've never seen that one. Skip that one. So, you know, there's uh, homework to be done. Uh, <laughs> but until then, aside from that homework, uh, what's homework for our listeners? Where can they find us? They can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, on movie on at Movie Mistrial. Make sure to leave your uh, a comment. Uh, you have points you want to make against some of the arguments we've we've shown. You think that some of the things we've brought up are controversial. You can always reach out to us on those platforms, or you can send us an email at contact at moviemistrial.com. All right, please leave us a review. Never hurts. And uh, until the next one. Thanks, everybody. Sounds. All right. Bye.